Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wonder Goal presented by the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham, alongside my colleague and friend Anthony DeBundo. We will be taking you across the European landscape, breaking down all the weekend matches in the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, La Liga, and League One. We'll start in England, but we're not actually going to start in the Premier League because there is a League Cup final going on on Sunday at Wembley. Liverpool is taking on Chelsea. Liverpool is plus 140. Chelsea sitting at plus 215 with the draw at plus 220. Liverpool is minus 150 to lift the cup while Chelsea is plus 130. It's a very interesting match. Both teams have been in action quite a bit over the past two weeks. Chelsea obviously playing Lille, uh, beating them 2-0 in the Champions League this week. Liverpool thrashing Leeds 6-0 on Wednesday. These two have met already twice this season. Uh, The first meeting at Anfield was a 1-1 draw. The second was a 2-2 draw, a very chaotic 2-2 draw, where four goals were scored in the first half at Stamford Bridge. I don't really have any lot for this match. I, I, I'm pretty dead on with what the uh, the odds are, uh, along with to lift the cup. So I will be passing on this cup match. Anthony, what do you have for the Carabao Cup final? Yeah, you know, I lost playing against both teams in the midweek. Uh, had some Lille, and they, you know, had a decent first half and then really just couldn't put the pieces together offensively in the second half. And then Leeds, oh, that was embarrassing. Uh, not even close to scoring. They did have a goal, but it was offside. Uh, both defenses continue to overperform uh, relative to what the chances they're allowing and the, and the chances conceded. Uh, Liverpool in the first meeting, uh, I think it's important to note, they were at home, but they did manage nine first-half shots against Chelsea. They really dominated the match. Uh, they conceded off of a corner, but then they there was a penalty and a red card right before halftime against Chelsea that pretty much ended the match because it was 1-1 at that point. And then it was just attack and defend with Liverpool going after Chelsea. So the the numbers are a bit skewed, but when it was 11 on 11, Liverpool was the dominant side. And really the same was true at Stamford Bridge for the first half hour. Mateo Kovacic scored a wonder goal that got the game, you know, kind of turned on its head. And then really I thought Chelsea were the better side in the second half of that match. I agree. I don't show a ton on the full game here, a tiny smidge of an edge for Liverpool, I think. And my numbers show, uh, and I, I agree with that. Uh, and I think Liverpool's rightly the favored side. I mean, they're clearly in the tier of their own with Manchester City, but minus 145, 150 to lift the trophy and one, 145 to uh, you know draw no bet if you wanted to take extra time out of it. Not a ton of value in the number. Uh, but I think this is going to be more open than your typical cup final. And that's where I'm betting this. And I'm going to bet both teams to score minus 108. Uh, Lille didn't generate a lot of good chances on Tuesday, but they did get nine first half shots, which... I know none of them were high quality and Tuchel's fine with that, but that's a sign that Chelsea didn't quite have the game control that they 
are used to and that they really, you know, Leo kind of took it to them in certain spots. And I think Liverpool is going to be able to do the same exact thing. With that being said, as much as Liverpool overcommits, I think there's going to be space for Chelsea to get in behind here. And I think especially Kai Havertz, the way he played on Tuesday is very encouraging. Got five shots, a goal, could have had two. Uh, He's been really good. And I think him linking up with, say, Christian Pulisic, and I think they're going to play the same front three, Ziyech, assuming he's healthy. Uh, that's a pretty good lethal counterattacking unit. And I think they're going to be very dangerous on the counter against Liverpool, who leads were, were flat today. But you go back, they did concede to Norwich, uh, which was amazing. Uh, and, you know, against Burnley, not that long ago, also were danger, you know, were in danger, at least on the counter. So this defense, I still think can be exploited the way they play, the, the pressure they put on the ball. Uh, and I, I'm going to go both teams to score here, minus 108. I actually make it minus 117. So a little bit of value, not a huge edge. This is a cup final. You expect the market to be pretty efficient for it. But uh, I do think both teams will get on the board here. I think it's a 1-1-2-1 type game for Liverpool. Yeah, I agree. I I have a lot of concerns with Chelsea's defensively, especially on the, on the wings. Uh, obviously, with Reese James and Ben Chilwell being injured, uh, Azpilicuelta and Marco Alonso guarding Salah and Mane is a really, really bad matchup for them. Plus, Alonso gets forward way too often and finds himself way overcommitted, leaving Chelsea pretty vulnerable where Rudiger has to pick up a lot of his uh, junk that he leaves out there. So it works against teams that won't be able to hurt you like that. But when you have Salah and Mane on the other side, it's a much different story. I'm not sure that uh, Alonso's even going to start, by the way. Uh, Tuchel yeah. yanked him in the second half and was pretty pissed, uh, visibly upset. You know, uh, he might be looking elsewhere for starting positions. I mean, their, their fullback situation just is not sorted out because Joel and James have been out for so long and they've never really solved it. Yeah, you might see Sar out there would be my guess if he doesn't play. That's what we brought in for him. Uh, it's just so many times he gets way, way too far forward and just leaves so much open area on the right. Uh, and you saw it with, you know, Renato Sanchez was able to hurt him pretty much a lot around the right flank. So Mo Salah is a little, uh, probably the best one at doing that. So, and he did it in the first meeting. Alexander Arnold uh, torched him up the right side. So, um, with a great pass. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's obviously Liverpool's are rightly favored. I don't hate both teams to score. Uh, Liverpool obviously hasn't been tested that well uh, defensively outside of a match against Inter Milan uh, since the Chelsea match. So, uh, it, it'll be a fun one. Uh, but uh, yeah, Liverpool rightly favored. All right, let's move on to. There's a Friday afternoon, Friday Night Lights match. On the South Coast, Southampton is hosting Norwich. Southampton is minus 180. Norwich is sitting at plus 500 with the draw at plus 320. I'll start. I actually do really like Southampton in this match. There's a ton of matchup problems for Norwich, considering they are one of the worst teams in the Premier League at playing through pressure. And given how hot Southampton's offense has been, it's really, really hard for me to look away from the Saints on the spread at minus one. Southampton offensively over the last month been much better created 9.5 expected goals in their last six matches. And have played some really difficult competition during that run, which included Brentford wolves, man city, Tottenham, Manchester United, and Everton. This is also a revenge spot for Southampton who lost Norwich the first time these two met two one, but Southampton was the better side in that match. They won the XG battle 1.1 to 0.5. They held 63% possession had 34 touches in the penalty area compared to only 16 for Norwich. Norwich, by far and away the worst road team in the Premier League, minus 15.4 expected goal differential in only 11 road matches. Also, it's worth mentioning that Norwich has failed to create over one expected goal in nine of their last 10 matches. So I I think this is a fantastic match for Southampton. Uh, I have their spread projected at minus 1.2. So a decent amount of value on the Saints uh, at minus 105. Do you have anything for Saints versus Canaries? 
Yeah, you know, I I have a slight lean toward Norwich, very slight. And it's just basically my numbers say that Southampton's a little overvalued now. Um, I would also consider Norwich to score. Uh, I, you know, can I go again back to the well on our favorite team now? By the way, Norwich is my favorite team after that goal they scored against Liverpool. Uh, both teams to score is only minus 115. So I think, you know, the way that Saints play, even as a favorite, uh, they are prone to conceding one or two big chances every match. And it's just how it is. And I know Norwich is really poor against pressure. And that's the main reason that I probably stay off this just because I don't like the stylistic matchup, but you know, Norwich created chances. They actually scored, you know, two goals in the, uh, in the first meeting in this match. And it was like 0.7 expected goals. It was not a deserved victory. Uh, they were pummeled for large stretches of it, but they hung around and they created one or two big chances and they, they took them. So I think Norwich can get on the board. Uh, and I think they can be somewhat competitive uh, and Southampton, you know, 12th in box entries and 17th in crosses. They're seventh in shots and eighth in uh, expected goals. So those numbers tend to converge toward the progression numbers in the long term. And you could argue that Southampton wins the ball high up the pitch. They create, you know, these big moments. And that's a fair argument. But you would also see that more in the big scoring chances. And they're only eighth there as well. So good numbers. But I, I wonder if that's going to sustain itself going forward. So I think. Also, you have a motivational mismatch here. Southampton is one of the five, and we'll get into more of that later as the season gets on, but they're just safe in the mid-table here. And Norwich is fighting for their lives in the league. So I think, you know, you could get an inspired effort. Um, overall, you know, I tried to sell high on the Saints. We both did last week, and they rolled Everton. It was not a competitive match whatsoever. Uh, and I, you know, that makes me hesitant here again, but I still think we're getting to the point where we're getting pretty high on, on Southampton at home here, but overall going to end up probably passing here. If I do play anything, we might be going back to the both teams to score or a little Norwich attack, baby. Maybe we'll get a three, one. Yeah. Let's, let's go for that. All right. Let's move on to Saturday, early Saturday morning, seven thirty AM Eastern time Leeds United is hosting Tottenham Hotspur. Tottenham is a minus one Oh five road favorite Leeds sitting at plus two seventy with the draw at plus two seventy five. I'll let you start as the resident Spurs fan on this podcast. How are we feeling after coming off a uh, pretty poor performance at Turf Moor on Wednesday? It was shocking. Uh, you know, Tottenham pretty much undoes all the goodwill they did on uh, on Saturday with the win at Manchester City. And, you know, look, you know, if you want to take a step back, and I know everybody's freaking out over the comments that Antonio Conte had after the match. If you take a step back, I mean, they got three points from City and Burnley away. And, you know, coming into uh, the week, I would have told you, yeah, we'll probably get about three points from City and Burnley away. It's a tough way that it went down and it definitely hurts their top four chances. But overall, I think we have two clubs here who seem to both be in different states of peril with, you know, Spurs losing four or five and Leeds playing 269 of the worst minutes I think I've seen from a Prem team all year. Uh, and that, that, goes the one minute where they scored two goals against Manchester United. One was a cross, and then they had the nice goal. Uh, the other 269 minutes thrashed at Everton, thrashed by United, absolutely annihilated today by Liverpool. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know what to make of this Leeds team anymore. Is it Bielsa burnout? Because I think that's really the biggest question mark you have to answer with Leeds as we go into the second half. Could they get relegated? Uh, if, if, if they're really cooked, there, there's an outside shot. I, don't, I still don't think so because I think they have banked enough points and they're still better than Norwich and Watford and probably better than Burnley. Uh, but there are concerns. Absolutely. And they've been better at home than away, but even their last home match against United, that wasn't very competitive. You know, again, Leeds got their, their goals in that one minute span and they were decent for maybe 20 minutes, but 
United pretty much bossed the entire match. And Tottenham, you know, you give them space, similar to United, I think, in a lot of ways right now. You give them space to run into, it gets ugly fast. And, you know, I think if Leeds are going to try to press them and play them off the pitch, Spurs will absolutely take advantage of those spaces. Kane dropping, dropping in, getting the ball, turning, firing in Kulisevsky and so on. Uh, they'll be able to do enough of that to really rip apart this Leeds defense. So I think Spurs, while they are struggling for results, the process, the expected goals, the box entries, they're all relatively positive. And I think Spurs fans, it's painful. You just got to wait it out. I think the, the, the good run is coming. But Leeds, I mean, I don't know if they bounce back here on short rest. Uh, I, and they've struggled against the top six with Bielsa their whole time in the Prem. So I think this is a bad matchup and I'm rolling with Spurs. Uh, to bounce back and get a win on the road, uh, money line plus one hundred. I don't actually have a ton of value in the number either. Uh, I think I make Spurs one one hundred five, so not a ton of value in the number. But I, I it all, the market also hasn't really moved. So you could say, oh, Leeds bounced back after they got embarrassed, but the market didn't move a single cent as of time of recording from Wednesday afternoon when Leeds got thrashed six 0 and Wednesday night when we were recording this right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's tragic, you know. Uh, you do that, you get that great win at Manchester City, and then follow up with a tragic loss at Burnley. It's just sad, you know. Top four hopes are really uh, starting to wane. Um, sad stuff. But I, I I agree with you. I I love over three goals at plus one twenty. Uh, I don't see anything but chaos in this match, which is pretty much all Leeds and has been doing lately. Obviously, Tottenham had the one nil uh, loss today, but. They've been playing some pretty chaotic matches themselves. Spurs last seven matches, averaging over three and a half expected goals. I mean, you saw it today. Leeds, and you've mentioned it, Leeds an absolute mess defensively. Last 10 matches, they're allowing on average around 2.5 expected goals per match. That is really bad. They're now dead last in the Premier League and non-penalty expected goals allowed. 16th in shots per 90 allowed. 15th in big scoring chances allowed. That does not bode well against the Tottenham offense that has been ripping people apart on the counter under Antonio Conte. Uh, under him, I think I mentioned the last week, around 2.1 expected goals per match with him in charge, created 30 big scoring chances in 13 matches. Uh, when these two actually faced off at White Hart Lane in Conte's second match in charge with Tottenham, Tottenham got a 2-1 win. Expected goals battle was pretty indicative of the final score. But Leeds did have Calvin Phillips for that match, and he is very, very, very vital to helping out uh, protect that back line. Without him, you've seen it's just been an absolute mess. He will not be available for this match, so I really struggled to see how Leeds is going to keep Tottenham to under three goals. Uh, but Leeds offensively, obviously, they, they, they really, really poor uh, their last two, except for a couple minutes against Man United. But they are averaging around you know 1.4 expected goals in their last 10 matches. Well, you know, Tottenham obviously been pretty shaky defensively. Uh, so... I do love an over here. Uh, I have 3.3 goals projected. So uh, I like that value on over three goals at plus 120. All right, let's move on on Saturday to Brentford hosting Newcastle in a very, very interesting match. I'll let you start. What do you have for Brentford, Newcastle at the beautiful Brentford Community Stadium? Brentford's got three home. There are three matches coming up. They've got Newcastle at home. They've got Norwich away. They've got Burnley at home. Those are three teams who are in the bottom four three teams who should be in the relegation fight, three teams who Brentford for the vast majority of the season has been better than. Uh, and the bees are pretty unlucky, you know, this season as a whole, their XG difference is it's 10th minus 0.14 per 90. They've been a slightly below average team. I've had them 14th coming into the season. I still have them 14th actually. 
so I haven't really upgraded or downgraded them in the slightest relative to the beginning of the season. There's been ups and downs in the middle. Uh, the last nine matches, though, for Brentford, 17th expected goal difference. So just above the bottom three, while Newcastle in their last six uh, is 10th in expected goal difference since Christmas. So they played a different number of matches because of cancellations. But since Christmas, Brentford 17th, Newcastle 10th. Pretty concerning. That being said, I think Brentford has been more unlucky than bad at home. Their last three home matches, they lost to United. And that was the famous post-match interview that Frank gave where he said, we played them off the park in the first half. We should have had one or two. We didn't convert. United took their chances second half. But overall, United and Brentford played about even, which is a pretty impressive result for Brentford. Then they played at home against Wolves. 1.3 expected goals to 0.2. Wolves scored twice, continuing this Wolves luck box run that that has persisted recently. uh, And they lost 2-1. So another unfortunate result. Then they played Palace. I had them in that match as well. I think I had them in all three matches at home. Um, draw Palace. But again, expected goals. Dominated the match. Shots were pretty even, but Brentford shots much more high quality. 1.5 expected goals. So over the last three matches, they have out created their opponents 5-3 to three in expected goals. Yet they are 2-5 and five goals, 4 goals against in those matches. I just don't really think that it's time to hit the panic button. If they don't win any of the next three matches... It's time to hit the panic button on Brentford, but I'm not going to do it yet. And I'm going to back them here at home against Newcastle. So uh, I'm taking them minus 125 on the draw no bet line. I think this is as low as you're going to get for now, hopefully on the market on Brentford. And uh, I think our bees bounce back and they get a home deserved win. Yeah. You hit the nail on the head right there. I think we've reached the bottom of the market here for Brentford who are barely being favored over a relegation side of home is pretty much the bottom of the market for them, given how good their underlying performances have been. Uh, they're obviously on a seven match winless streak. Uh, but like you mentioned with those three home matches over this winless streak, they've lost by a combined score of 16 to four. Uh, but the expected goals has only been 11.7 to 7.5. So it really, really, it's just really not as bad as it seems for, for Brentford. Now, Newcastle coming in this match is going to be without Kieran Trippier, Callum Wilson, and Matt Ritchie. Also Alan St. Maximum and Ryan Frazier are both questionable to play. So we'll see that obviously hurts. Newcastle, if both of them can't play. Since the January transfer window ended, Newcastle's performances obviously have improved. However, they're still struggling to play through pressure. So over the last five matches, their offensive pass per defensive action is about 7.9, which is dead last in the Premier League during that time span. So Brentford's frenetic pressing should be able to have some decent amount of success here, especially at home. It also looks like Brentford could get Ivan Tony back, which would be huge for them. He's questionable currently. Uh, he's obviously their leading goal scorer, you know, top XG plus expected assist rate uh, per 90 minutes for them. So uh, I actually have Brentford projected as a pretty significant favorite here at home. Uh, so I, I'm with you. I love the bees draw no bet at minus 125. All right, let's move on to one of our other favorite teams, Brighton hosting Aston Villa at the beautiful American Express Community Stadium on the South Coast. Brighton is plus 135. Aston Villa sitting at plus 220 with the draw at plus 230. I'll let you start for this one. Uh, I obviously, like many weeks, I I love our our Seagulls, but I'll let you give everybody your thoughts first. Yeah, I'm calling them the mid-table five. I haven't had a good name yet for them, but if you go through the races, there's 15 teams in this league right now who are competing for something whether it's the title race with Liverpool and City, whether it's the top four race with sort of Chelsea, Arsenal, United, West Ham, Tottenham, Wolves, and then there's the relegation teams. There's five teams, Brighton, Villa, Palace, after today, Southampton and Leicester, who are kind of just chilling, right? And they don't really have a ton on the line for the next few rounds of matches where it's kind of like, okay, we're safe. You know, we're kind of just going through the motions. It's just any other match. 
Brighton and Villa, not exactly a rivalry. I just wonder what the defensive intensity and what the, what the match is going to really look like here. And it doesn't tend to become an issue until later in the season. And we'll, we'll get into that more later in the year, but I really think we have two very inefficient attacks who are among the four worst in the league at converting possession in the final third into shots, into goals, into expected goals. And Villa had a good attacking performance at home against Watford in loss. Brighton, very flat against Burnley. They lost 3-0. Burnley took a bunch of chances. It wasn't really a 3-0 type game. So I think there's two ways this can go. This can go where, you know, the regression comes for these, these attacks and, we, and these defenses, and we actually see goals in this match, no pun intended, or it's just a dead game. And so I'm happy to pass here. I think Brighton, the number's right. Uh, the market's pretty sharp here, and I don't really have a strong read on it. So I'm going to pass. It's not really a game that you know, you're getting up for. You know, it's kind of just blends in on Saturday at 10 a.m. Ah, oh, the Brighton never blends in, Anthony. I mean, it's yeah, you you hit the it nail on that. <laughs> um, I definitely lean Brighton here, uh, but like you said, so Brighton's now seven points off of uh, the top seven, so the last European spot. Uh, but both teams ahead of them have a game in hand, so you know, getting later into the season, it's like, all right, how much does this really matter? Aston Villa, obviously, like you said, very comfortably in the mid table, probably not even getting in the you know in the relegation uh, even thought right now. I'm not really going to overreact to what, you know, Brighton's 3-0 loss to Burnley at home. The final expected goals is only 0.5 to 0.8. Burnley just basically converted three low-quality chances, and that was the difference. Um, But I think the matchup, if Brighton, you know, comes out motivated, ready to go, is a pretty good one for them. They'll be getting their captain, Lewis Dunk, back, which from red card suspension, which is obviously big. And the big advantage for them here is going to be their pressing. We've talked about it a ton, but the Seagulls currently sit third in passes per defensive action, first in pressure success rate, and third in high turnovers. Well, Aston Villa is near the bottom against pressure, 17th in offensive pass per defensive action. Uh, Aston Villa did create 1.3 expected goals against Watford last week, but under Gerrard, like I mentioned last week, they've been quite bad. Only 1.04 XG per match. Now they have to face the top five defense in Brighton, who is fifth in non-penalty expected goals allowed, and the number one team in the Premier League in preventing big scoring chances. Brighton defensively, though, has been pretty unbelievable at home uh, since the beginning of November. In their last nine matches at the American Express Community Stadium, they're only allowing 0.57 XG per match, and only one opponent has created over one expected goal against them in a match against their defense. So this is also a revenge spot for Brighton. It was Steven Gerrard's first match in charge when these two met. It was a very, very low event game. Um, Aston Villa only created 0.6 expected goals, but one to nothing. Um and only had nine shots in the match. So from a number standpoint, I have Brighton projected at plus 104. But the problem is, we've talked about it a ton, is that Brighton getting margin against some of these lower sides, especially as a favorite, is really, really bad. Over the last two years, they are the least profitable team in the Premier League as a favorite. So I am happy to pass unless I can get Brighton uh, draw no bet at least uh, a decent number. But yeah, probably going to end up being a snoozer, um, unfortunately. All right, let's move on on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern. Crystal Palace coming off a thumping 4-1 win over Watford on Wednesday. They are hosting Burnley, who are also coming off a 1-0 win over Tottenham. Crystal Palace is sitting at minus 110, Burnley at plus 310, but the draw at plus 265. I'll start. I love Crystal Palace here. I honestly think the number is a little low, even though Burnley has been pretty hot, uh, winning uh, two straight here. They obviously have been playing a little bit better. 3-0 3-0 win over Brighton, 1-0 win over Tottenham. It really helps them in their relegation fight. They're obviously uh, very, very motivated right now, while Crystal Palace is pretty comfortable in the mid-table. But Burnley still 
one of the worst defenses in the Premier League. They rank dead last in shots allowed per 90, dead last in box entries allowed. Uh, so Crystal Palace should be able to create chances like they did in the first meeting, which was a chaotic 3-3 draw at Turf Moor. But Crystal Palace was by far the better side that day. One unexpected goals, 2.0 to 1.3, controlled 61% of the possession, uh, outshot them, had more touches in the penalty area, just a really much better performance than the Eagles. And like Burnley does quite a bit, they take advantage of their low quality chances and they can somehow stay in the match. The biggest thing for me here, though, and I mean, we've talked about it like, I don't know, but like seven straight weeks or whatever it is, is the home road splits for Crystal Palace. At home, they're the fourth best team in the Premier League, plus 7.7 expected goal differential, while Burnley has a minus 10.5 expected goal differential on the road. So that's really where I'm loving Crystal Palace in this one. And there also are a couple of concerns for Crystal Palace in this matchup. First off, they're not good at defending set pieces. They're uh, 12 on the season, which is second to last in the Premier League. They're also not good at defending crosses. They're 16th in crosses allowed into the 18-yard box. So that's obviously not good when you're facing Burnley. But even with those problems, I think the price is too low for the Eagles. Uh, I have them projected at minus 153, so I love the Eagles at minus 110. Do you have anything for Palace versus Burnley? Yeah, I was surprised by this number when I first looked at it. I was like, man, Palace 110 at home against Burnley. And I know you said the same thing right after we uh, finished recording our Sunday Champions League preview. Uh, and then I ran my numbers and I was actually pretty close. Uh, minus 117 for Palace. Uh so not a ton in it for me. Uh, I agree. The home splits are pretty wild. I think Burnley away from home versus at home is a hugely different animal. Like you mentioned, same thing with Crystal Palace. But again, it's the big question of whether Palace is a favorite is really worth backing. And there was positive regression coming for this team, but did we just burn all of it today against uh, yeah <laughs> against Watford, scoring four goals on like 0.8 xG, and you know they were not really that good, and all their shots went in. Sometimes that happens in soccer, uh, but. You know, now I'm like, oh, you can't back them after that, right? Uh, from a regression point of view, it's an interesting spot. But Burnley also getting a huge home win now going on the road naturally could be a little flat. I I probably end up staying away here, but I definitely lean toward Palace. I wish Watford had won today. You know, that would have been this would have been a hammer spot for for Palace. Yeah, but that's, now yeah, now it's, it's like the numbers kind of close, and I you know Palace again moves into the mid table, and and it's like okay, now what? Uh, you know. Could they keep doing, you know, maybe converting at this rate for a little while and, and go on a little run? It wouldn't shock me, but yeah, it's the number um, seems seems close for me. Yeah, it's. Uh, I still think it's a little low. Obviously, Maxwell Cornet didn't play for Burnley today, which is obviously a concern for them. Uh, so that obviously helps Crystal Palace. But you know, I, I do. I'm going to trust my numbers here, and I, I'm I'm going to play Palace mainly because of those home road splits. All right, let's move on on Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. Manchester United is hosting Watford at Old Trafford in a huge revenge game. Manchester United is sitting at minus 295. Watford at 8-1 to one with the draw at plus 450. Manchester United coming off a 1-1 undeserved draw with Atletico in the Champions League today after having to face uh, some difficult competition for the first time under Ralph Ragnick. Uh, but this match here, you know, if it wasn't a revenge spot, I think I would probably lean towards Watford. They've obviously been better under Roy Hodgson. My numbers do tell me that I lean towards Watford here, but since it is a revenge spot, this is the match that got Ogunni Solskjaer fired. I am going to end up passing as obviously United has been playing a ton over the last two weeks. So the spot is not great for them, uh, but I cannot back uh, this Watford team right now, even though they are due for some positive regression after what happened today. 
Uh, but ultimately I will be passing. Do you have anything for United versus Watford? I lean toward the team total over. I, I don't think Watford, uh, you know, huh. I think there's a good chance United falls into this trap that Roy Hodgson loves to set where he'll sit back four, four, two, he'll give you the ball. He'll give you the ball in non-dangerous areas. He'll let you take shots from 20 yards, but he'll never let you truly break through. And that was a major issue that United had in years past. It was less of an issue last year, been less of an issue since they added Ronaldo. They've had other issues that have been bigger issues like their transition defense and their midfield has seemingly gotten worse. Watford could easily score on the counter here. And I would not shock me in the slightest if they did. Uh, and they're only minus 115 to score. So th- that wouldn't shock me. That being said, this, this, I mean, the longer this game is zero, zero, the, the less and less Watford's going to attack. They're just going to sit. So uh, it, it's tough. This is the kind of game where I'll look to play live more than anything else, probably, because if you're watching the game and Watford is really looking dangerous on the counter, but they haven't quite had one come off yet. Good time to get it on the team total live. Plus, you know, you might even get like a plus 130, 140 as it gets later in the game. Second half, you probably get like a plus 200, depending on how it plays out. Pre-match, I agree. I don't really want the plus one and a half because I think United could go off at any time. Very well could. They also could be flat off this Champions League matchup. So there's a lot that goes both ways, countervailing in this match, uh, stylistically and and both from a number standpoint. Again, Watford a little bit of value, but don't really want to back them on the spread when I can probably get them on the team total. And I do think they'll need a goal to probably cover this spread. So I'm going to end up probably passing uh, generally pregame, but look live potentially for a Watford team total. Yeah, it's uh, Manchester United is interesting. I'm going to tell everybody right now, do not get fooled if Man United blows out Watford and say that they're back and that Ralph Ragnar has figured everything out because it's just not true. They got smashed today in the first half by Atletico and one moment of magic uh, where Atletico made a defensive mistake and they were able to capitalize on it. United coming up here. I'm going to read off their schedule because it's... Oh, it's a doozy. It's a doozy. They got uh, a Manchester Derby at City. Then they go, they play Tottenham at home. What's that line going to be? Oh my gosh. That's the <laughs> reverse look ahead on Sakiko. That's the reverse fixture of that. That'll be a very interesting match. If it's, I mean, I mean, they're probably going to lie in United. What plus one twenty would be my guess or something. Oh, like I was that. talking about the, I was talking about the Manchester Derby city. Minus oh, Manchester 310. Derby, what city minus 500, <laughs> three, three which yeah. uh, might be on. I think I'm going to be on United plus one and a half. Yeah, just just, really just yeah. putting that out there. I'm just just putting that out there as a potential look ahead. You know, we don't really do look aheads too often, but uh, yeah. let me see. Let me see if there's a plus one and a half right now. It's plus one and a half is minus one twenty. That might be something. We'll talk about that next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll save it for next week. Um, but then I'll be they surprised got, if I play that. Yeah, uh, at home against Tottenham, the reverse Champions League fixture at home against Atletico, at Liverpool, and then at home against Leicester, and then at Everton. So. It is uh, it's a doozy for United and even the rest of their schedule. They obviously get a match against Norwich. Then they got to go to Arsenal. They got to go to Brighton. They got to play Chelsea, and then they got to go Chelsea to, again. Yeah. Then to Crystal Palace. So yeah, they played almost all the relegation teams already. Yeah. Twice, well, that's so. what we've been talking about for the last uh, I don't know how many podcasts is that you know hey United hasn't played anybody over Ralph Rangnick's stretch. Well, now uh, it's time to pay up, and we'll see if they're actually uh, a good squad. The, the rents um, do every day. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on on Saturday. The premier match on Saturday, Michael's Everton Toffees hosting league leaders Manchester City on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. Everton is sitting at 
plus 900. Manchester City is a minus 340 road favorite with the draw at plus 475. I am very happy to pass on this match. Uh, if I were to play anything, I would probably take a look at Everton. Obviously, they've been way, way better at home than they've been on the road. They're obviously finally healthy. But the Southampton match last week has really scared me off of the Toffees um, and potentially you know, making some type of resurgent run back here. They're probably not in the relegation fight as it stands right now. Maybe, I don't know. Uh, if Burnley and Watford keep winning, then maybe. Um, but, uh, I mean, this is probably going to be, you know, a City one or two nothing win. Uh, City obviously has Manchester United coming up next weekend. Obviously, it's, there's a, a lot of time in between that. So, I'm guessing Pep will be playing his full squad with the Premier League title race somewhat back on kind of uh if if city drops points here it gets a ton more interesting with liverpool then having two games in hand on them uh but i am happy to pass on this my numbers are pretty close to what the market actually has do you have anything for everton versus manchester city now easy pass here uh everton could show some life and could score and it wouldn't shock me uh playing against the city defense again but you know pep and them are going to be very focused in this match and and really Last week felt more like Tottenham playing almost the perfect attacking game with Kane, Son, uh, and, and Kulisevsky all playing really 10 out of 10 games and combining perfectly a few times to win that match as much as it was City having all these defensive breakdowns. Uh, you know, they still dominated possession. They still dominated chances. The first time these teams played, it was 2.5 to 0.2. Uh, Everton had four shots. So that was at the Etihad. That was a long time ago. Different manager, but... The, the Everton counterattacking plan doesn't quite come off as well. I don't think uh, when you know, we are playing a team like city. So I'm going to pass here and uh, hopefully city runs it up and we get a better number on United next week. Nah, I don't know about that. Um, oh yes. <laughs> I don't know. It's going to take a ton for me to play United next week. Um, I'm very, if you, if you can't tell the last few podcasts, I'm very, very against Manchester United as a current club, because I do not think they're a good club and, uh, they're still in the top four battle, which I don't think is, uh, they should be. Um, but we'll see. We're going to find out. We're going to, I mean, I'm not out. thinking they're going to win next week, but I think it could be, could be interesting. We'll see. There is one lone Sunday match. Uh, West Ham is hosting wolves at the Olympic stadium. West Ham is a plus 110 home favorite. Wolves are sitting at plus 275 with the draw at plus 235. We are obviously taping this on Wednesday night before the Arsenal Wolves match. I'll be honest, I am very, very happy to pass on this. Um, I'm going to raise my hand and say that I have given up on trying to continue to say that West Ham is uh, a top four contender. Uh, they're obviously still, you know, top seven team in the Premier League, but. Uh, I, I can't figure them out. And another team I can't figure out uh, is Wolves, unless just taking their overs. Uh, one thing, uh, obviously this is before the Arsenal-Wolves match, but I did mention on the last podcast, Wolves, when they have to play against uh, teams above them in the table, which West Ham goes into this category, uh, their matches are averaging around 2.7 uh, expected goals. So you could see we could see Wolves overs here uh, come to fruition, maybe two matches in a row. But uh, for two teams that I cannot figure out, continually are losing money on, I am very, very happy to pass. Do you have anything for West Ham versus Wolves? Well, you know, uh, I said it last week. I've said it every week on this podcast since the podcast uh, turned to 2022. Wolves overs. Uh, no, I, I don't really have a strong take here. I, I don't like beat a team. Uh, I think Wolves, they are minus 0.3 per 90 expected goal difference. They're only six points off with two games in hand of fourth. They are not in the top four race, as far as I'm concerned, I don't care what the table says. They will not keep it up. 
Uh, and you mentioned it. I mean, the defense luck box is insane. They got outplayed for the large of the Leicester match. Uh, they did go over, but it wasn't because their defense finally regressed, which will happen. Uh, but at some point it will regress. And I just don't know if West Ham's the team to take advantage of it. This could be the West Ham get right spot, but their attack has been so bad. Another lackluster showing against Newcastle, completely dead second half, couldn't create a damn chance of anything. Uh, and they were playing teams who are worse defensively than Wolves. And yes, Wolves are due for regression, but they're still above average defense. Uh, and so I, I really don't have a strong opinion here. I actually would probably lean toward West Ham if I had to play it, but we'll see what happens on Thursday with the Arsenal Wolves match. Hopefully Arsenal put seven past them and then I don't yes. have to, don't have to bet the, 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 uh, the West Ham or don't have to bet, you know, Wolves over on Sunday. But uh, I think those would be the looks if I had to play it. Yes. Let's hope Arsenal put seven past. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Wolves win eight, seven <laughs> Wolves overs. Um <laughs> They'd have scored like five goals from outside the box, but that's okay. All right, let's move on out of England to uh, the rest of Europe. Let's start uh, in Germany. What is your best bet for the Bundesliga this weekend? Yeah, it's, it's Gladbach, Wolfsburg, both teams to score and over two and a half goals parlayed at even money. Uh, two of the teams in the league who are an absolute disaster. I mean, Gladbach conceding six to Dortmund. You know, it was a pretty competitive first half. Gladbach got in behind twice. They didn't score either of them, of course. They hit the post down 2-0, uh, and then Dortmund hits the post and it goes in to go up three, and then they quit. I mean, quit, quit. And there's, I mean, are they still playing for Adi Hütter? Defensively, would suggest no. They've con- they're conceding two goals a match in the Bundesliga since December uh, has begun. They've been one of the three worst defenses in the Bundesliga. They're a relegation defense, and they have so much talent to be that bad. The fullbacks have been poor. Ginter... Looking to get his big move, poor. Elvedi, a mess. Can't defend set pieces. Sommers regressed. I mean, everything's wrong with this team defensively. With that being said, the attack is actually still fine. They're just not converting chances. And the same is true for Wolfsburg. These are the two biggest positive attacking regression candidates in the entire league right now. Neither team has taken any chance for months. Wolfsburg had a brief spell where they started to take them. They played well against Hoffenheim uh, last weekend, went up 1-0, blew it, lost 2-1. Uh, so I think this Wolfsburg attack is going to start to figure some things out. I know that Vegas is gone, but they still have other guys who are fine uh, and who can pick up the slack that he, they lose with his shots disappearing. And McGladbach, same thing. I mean, it's time after time. They get these chances in behind and below has missed a bunch. Hoffman missed a couple easy chances uh, and those chances are going to start to go in. So I think between the defenses not being quite as good as they should be, and both attacks having positive regression coming. I think this is going to be an open game, 2-1 type game. I actually also lean toward Wolfsburg. <laughs> it's gotten that bad for Gladbach that minus 100 at home isn't good enough for me to play them against Wolfsburg. But uh, yeah, over two and a half and both teams to score. Oh, I'm leaning towards Wolfsburg too, but we'll get to that in a later segment in the podcast. I like Bochum, RB Leipzig over three goals at plus 115. Bochum is pretty fraudulent team to be sitting in 11th place uh, in the table uh, for the season. They have a minus 10.1 expected goal differential and their defense has been quite terrible. They're allowing 1.62 expected goals per match, but it gets really bad when they have to face teams above them in the table in 12 matches against the top 10 teams in Germany. Bochum is allowing 2.03 XG per match, which includes a three zero loss to RB Leipzig, where Leipzig created 2.5 expected goals on them back in October. Bochum, the problem they keep running into is, and for a lot of these smaller sides, is that they are allowing far too many big scoring chances, 44 in 23 matches. 
That's a problem against RB Leipzig, who has created the second most big scoring chances in the Bundesliga. RB Leipzig, their offensive numbers are obviously very impressive, but a lot of it is because they're just routing lesser competition in the Bundesliga. Against the bottom nine defenses in terms of expected goals allowed per match, which includes Bochum, RB Leipzig has scored 35 goals off of 29.4 expected goals in only 12 matches. That's insane. That's really, that's really, really impressive. So they should be able to at least put two in the back of the net here. Bochum offensively hasn't been that bad. They're out averaging on 1.2 uh, XG per match, but they've been on a, a little bit, we can call it a little bit fired lately. 7.8 expected goals in their last five matches is pretty good. RB Leipzig uh, defensively has been shaky all season long, especially allowing big scoring chances. They've conceded the sixth most. In the Bundesliga under Tedesco, there have been some matches where it's looked a little shaky, some matches where they've looked impressive. It's just kind of all over the map right now for RB Leipzig. I have around 3.5 goals projected for this match, so I love the value on over three goals at plus 115. All right, let's move on to your home country, Italy. Uh, What do you have for us in the wonderful league of Serie A? Italy was much nicer to me last weekend. Uh, Torino and Bologna coming home uh, a little under in the Atalanta game as well. So hopefully we're getting some positive regression for me in Italy. Uh, and, and hopefully we get some unders as well, because we're due for a lot of those still, even after a good weekend of unders in uh, Italia. No, being said, there's no penalties. No penalties. That, that was the, really the, the <laughs> no miracle, penalties. which means, which means by the way, penalties galore this weekend. The, 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 the Italians are calling it in to all the refs saying, look, we got to get more goals. Yeah. And we can't get goals unless we get penalties. So let's ratchet up the penalties. Hopefully Genoa gets a penalty on Friday at home playing against Inter Milan. Look, this attack stinks. I mean, they're, they're really bad, uh, but they're one of the bigger positive regression candidates in all of Italy as a whole. Uh, and they've only scored about 21 goals from 26 expected. So running well behind their numbers. And generally speaking, this Inter defense has some cracks and I expect them to win this match comfortably but I do think that Genoa will be able to get on the board. It's one of those Island Friday matches, as well as Milan Udinese, which uh, it's going to take every bone in my body to not play Udinese plus one, but that's another look that I have for Friday. Uh, But that being said, Genoa team total over. Uh, I think they'll get on the board here. Inter's defense has run really hot for about two months, and they did concede two to Sassuolo in a weird loss last week. I expect them to bounce back. They create over three and a half expected, so I don't want to play in front of the attacking truck that is Inter Milan, but I do think on the road they'll concede here. So I'm going Genoa, team total over, minus 120. Team total over half. All right. I am going to, you mentioned it, I'm going to go with an under in Serie A, and this is a hold on to your seats kind of under. Uh, Lazio Napoli, under two and a half goals at minus 115. Uh, It's a good time to try and bet on some Lazio offensive regression. They're one of the biggest overperformers offensively across Europe's top five leagues. They have scored 53 goals off of 36.9 expected goals. That is insane. And regression is going to come for them at some point in these final 13 matches. I hope. Well, now they have to face pretty much one of the best defenses in all of Europe. Napoli has only allowed 18 goals in Serie A off of 19 expected goals in 26 matches. So it is absolutely, this defense is absolutely legit. The last time these two teams met, Napoli destroyed Lazio for nothing but there actually weren't very many high quality chances in the match. Napoli scored four goals off of 1.2 expected goals, but most importantly, they held 62% possession and held Lazio to only eight shots and 0.4 expected goals. If Napoli is able to control a large share of the possession, the pace of this match is going to be incredibly slow. Napoli leads Serie A in sequence time passes per sequence 
and build up attacks per opta. So it's no surprise that their matches are only averaging 2.37 expected goals. Additionally, both these teams are playing uh, in the Europa League knockout playoff on Thursday. So there could be some tired legs coming into this match. I only have uh, a little over two goals projected for this match. So I love the price under two and a half goals at minus 115. The value is there. Let's just hope the regression comes. All right, let's move on to Spain. What do you have for us in La Liga this weekend? Yeah, I was pretty stunned by this price. Uh, I bet it as soon as it opened. Barcelona and Bilbao, both teams to score is minus 110. Barcelona, the attack has made leaps and strides forward. They're clearly a pretty improved attacking unit. The, the Xavi system has really made them a lot better going forward. They're creating a ton of chances. They're converting at a better rate. Imagine that. Uh, and they're, they're a bet on team, 100%. But there's still defensive issues. And there are absolutely issues against teams who have pace, against teams who are effective on the counter. And Bill Bow is happy to play that way. And so I took both teams to score minus 110. I projected minus 135. Uh, so I'm way above uh, the market here, which probably is a red flag. But uh, overall, I'm happy to play this number. And I do think Barca will win probably two, three, one, but I think Bilbao, I mean, we've talked about their regression for months and they've been scoring a lot of goals. The only problem, the scary part, both teams did just score four goals. Their last match, always a red flag to keep betting them to keep scoring when they just went off, but I'm okay with it for here. I think it's a good spot. All right. I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to do something I very, very rarely do. I don't think I've done it on this podcast or even this entire year. I'm going to bet a draw in uh, Getafe versus Alaves. And I, the reason I rarely do this is if you've read my article of how my model pretty much works, I use Poisson distribution. Uh, when when you use that, very rarely does the chance of a draw um, have any value based on what the books are offering. So I'm going to get a little nerdy. I'm going to do some math here for everybody. So if you want to fall asleep, go ahead. Um, so these two, the chance of these two teams drawing, I projected at plus 183, which is a 35.39 uh, implied odds, where the current price of plus 225 is 30.7. 7%. So I'm showing 4.62% value. So that's just a little inside look at how not only betting the draw, but how I go about pretty much any type of bet that I'm making throughout soccer, trying to get three and a half percent value. The reason that I'm showing value on this, and it's kind of, it was a little bit shocking that I actually was showing value on a draw like this is these are two of the three worst offenses in Spain. Getafe is only averaging 0.78 expected goals per match. That's not only the lowest average in Spain, that's the lowest average among anybody in Europe's top five leagues. And Alaves is only averaging 0.96 expected goals per match. Now, Getafe is a very good defensive team that typically plays very, very low event type matches because they're very well organized in their 5-3-2 system. So far this season, when playing out of the 5-3-2, they're averaging 0.9 XG per 90 minutes, but they're only allowing 1.03 XG per 90 minutes. So the formation is highly susceptible to draws. Alaves is a struggling defense, but they are due for a little bit of positive regression. They've allowed 42 goals off of around 36 expected. Also, both clubs are only averaging a little over 41% possession in La Liga matches. So neither are really used to having a majority of the ball. So I think it's a good price and a good spot for a draw between Getafe and Alaves at plus 225. All right, let's move on to France, Ligue 1. Uh, do you have anything for us in France this weekend? Yeah, I didn't bet Claremont foot, but they won which was yeah. a shame. So I'm, I'm not going to bet this again, but I like Mets draw no bet at home against Nantes. Nantes Ooh. very overperforming. I know Mets is really, really, really bad. They're bad. Um, 
plus 110, pick, drawn a bet at home uh, against a team that's overperforming their numbers, due for regression, just had the biggest win of the year, beating PSG at home in probably a great spot. You know, after they PSG wins in the Champions League, then they've already wrapped up Ligue 1, they come up flat, now it beats them. They can see three and a half expected goals in the victory. You don't see that too often. So pretty fortunate to win that one uh, overall. And now they're going on the road against the relegation side. Again, Aline, not a play for me, but that's my pick if I had to bet it. I don't bet league on too often, so I'll leave that to you as the foremost authority on French football. All right. Well, I do have a pick in league on like I do every single weekend. Monaco, Stade de Reims, under two and a half goals at minus 110. Monaco has had a very, very interesting season. They're currently sitting in sixth place with around a plus 10 expected goal differential, which is a little bit below where you'd expect uh, a team of this kind of talent. They've already sacked their manager, Nico Kovac, and replaced him with Club Bruges manager, Felipe Clement. However, this is a very elite defensive team. They're only allowing 0.84 non-penalty expected goals per match, which leads League on. The main reason for that is because, first, they don't allow a lot of big scoring chances, only 19 conceded all season long, and they're the number one pressing team in France by passes for defensive action. That's great, but it's also kind of concerning because they aren't turning opponents over at a high level in their own end. For example, Monaco has 208 uh, high turnovers, on the season, which is around, you know, middle uh, of the pack in France, they only have 18 shots off of those turnovers, which is the lowest amount in France. So that is quite concerning to me. Stade de Reims is a pathetic offense, which I have been saying from pretty much day one. Uh, They're bottom five and non-penalty expected goals per match, shots per 90, big scoring chances. They're also the worst team in France against pressure, which would be a problem against Monaco if they were able to do anything with their turnovers. But Here's where I'll say I'm wrong. Reims is a rock-solid defense. They're top five in league on and non-penalty expected goals allowed. They've only allowed two big scoring chances in their last eight matches. Monaco does have Ligon's leading goal scorer, Ben Yedder, who has 14 goals and 24 appearances, but the rest of the offense is pretty poor. Uh, Monaco only averaging 1.2 uh, non-penalty expected goals per match, which is ninth in league on. So I think this is going to be a pretty low event match. I only have around 1.9 goals projected. So I love the price on under two and a half goals at minus 110. All right, let's move on to our favorite segment of the podcast, our favorite underdogs of the weekend. This is the part of the podcast where we warn you that uh, to be careful with these, these teams are underdogs for a reason. Uh, The reason we are betting these is because we believe that these teams have a better chance of winning than what the market is providing, but they do have a low percentage of winning. So Anthony, what is your favorite underdog this week? Yeah, kicking myself for not having the 11 to 1 on Tottenham last week. Uh, that was disappointing. We should have said that on the pod. But uh, I'm going with Hertha Berlin, plus 475 on the road against Freiburg. I'm just not quite buying into this Freiburg team who has overperformed for the vast majority of this entire season when you look at their uh, their numbers and the fact that they have started to show some cracks recently. They haven't been quite as, as good in the last, say, three or four matches dating back to the, the beatdown they took uh, to Dortmund in, in late January. They haven't quite been firing. And overall, you know, a plus four expected goal difference. They're a slightly above average Bundesliga team, but, you know, they get a fortunate draw with Mines after scoring late, a pretty fortunate uh, win against Osberg overall. They, they were the better side, but Osberg were in it uh, for large touches, and there was a bunch of chances that Osberg had on the counter. Uh, and really, I thought, you know, could have taken advantage in the first half, and then they fell apart, uh, as Osberg does. But overall, just not quite buying this Freiburg team. And Hertha is a pretty big club. 
and they are minus 0.7 XG per 90. And we're pretty deep into the season now. They're in the relegation scrap and they're one of the favorites to go down. Uh, and I'm banking on eventually we're seeing some kind of life from this team. And at 4.7, uh, you know, to one, I'm, I'm willing to fire on them, even on the road to pull us off here. All right. I'm going to stay in Germany. And we mentioned it before. I like Wolfsburg plus 275 on the road at Gladbach. You mentioned it. This Gladbach defense is bad. So essentially the real defensive questions I think started when they lost 4-1 to Cologne on November 27th. Since then, they've conceded 24.4 expected goals in 11 matches, and they've only held their opponents under one expected goal one time in those 11 matches. Now it's against Armenia Biafield. Wolfsburg has been improving offensively, 12.3 expected goals in the last nine matches. They're up to 11th in non-penalty expected goals. Uh, so I think this is a situation that uh, Gladbach is a tad overvalued, especially even money given how bad their defense has been. Uh, I make this match pretty close to a pick so I'm happy to take Wolfsburg at plus 275. Imagine right. us saying right now in February that 13th-placed Gladbach is overvalued. <laughs> it's just absurd. Absurd. I know it's, it's, it's gotten bad for them, but of course they had one good performance against Bayern Munich. Um, but I'm still not mad. I'm still not mad about it, but it happened. They had two, three good performances against Bayern Munich. They won twice and drew once for the record. Yeah. Um, whatever. Also uh, beat Dortmund. Yes. All right. Let's move on uh, to the last segment of the podcast. Uh, our favorite premier league bets of the weekend. Where are you taking us uh, for your best bet in England? Brentford, draw no bet, minus 125 at home against Newcastle. The Bees have lost two and drawn one in their last three home matches, but they've actually won the expected goals battle in all three of those matches. One was very close with United, but overall outplayed Wolves, lost 2-1, outplayed Crystal Palace and drew nil-nil. This team has been much better at home than they've been on the road this season. And I understand they have not won any of their last seven matches in the Prem overall, but we're buying low on Brentford. We're selling high on a Newcastle team that, to their credit, has played like an average Premier League team over the last month, but they're a little bit shorthanded. They're going on the road. And Brentford is actually now just as desperate as Newcastle, needing these points to stay above the relegation scrap. I think they will. And I think they're more likely to win it than not. Minus 125, draw no bet. All right, I'm going to go Crystal Palace minus 110 at home against Burnley. Uh, this number is too low for Crystal Palace, especially being at home. We're kind of in a little bit of a sell-high spot with Burnley after winning two straight matches. The big reason why I love Crystal Palace, the home road splits for both these teams are just drastic. Crystal Palace at home, plus 7.7 expected goal differential, while Burnley on the road, minus 10.5 expected goal differential. These two teams met uh, earlier this season in a chaotic 3-3 draw, but Crystal Palace was by far the better side at Turf Moor. One on expected goals, 2.0 to 1.3, held 61% possession, more touches in the penalty area, more shot-creating actions. This is a much better, well-rounded team. Burnley could be without one of their best attackers, Maxwell Cornet, for this one, who didn't play against Tottenham on Wednesday. So I think it's a good spot for the Eagles, especially at a low price of minus 110 to grab all three points. All right, that'll do it for another episode of Wonder Goal. Thank you all for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star review if you can. It'll help us out a lot. We'll be back on next Thursday. We'll be taking the week off as not much is happening in the midweek next week. We'll be back next Thursday morning to break down the entire weekend slate across Europe. So for Anthony uh, and myself, we thank you once again for listening and uh, good luck on your wagers this weekend. 